Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. It's Tuesday, the 17th of September. I'm Jules Breach. He's Andy Brassel, and this is Jules and Andy on Football Ramble Daily. Ladies and gentlemen, the UEFA Champions League 1920 starts now. You stick together when you're brave and you're together when you're one unity and, and with a strong mentality and a really good spirit, then you have a chance in each and every game and this is what we take out of this game. We lost a game and, and improved from here. Well, Andy, what a weekend of football it was, except for our two teams. We were both leading at one stage and then ended up drawing our games, didn't we? You know what's the most miserable part of the whole experience is that you sent me that message to say that you've got to celebrate own goals even when they, when, <laughs> when they, when they put your team in front, referring to Wimbledon taking the lead against Shrewsbury. And I was at kids' birthday party and by the time I got that message, it was like, oh yeah. We were winning at one point. They'd equalised by the time I actually got to read it. Sorry, it was a bit Larry of me, wasn't it? But I knew it was your birthday weekend as well. So I thought, I'll try and cheer you up. You've gone one nil up, Andy. And I saw for ages you hadn't read it on WhatsApp. I was thinking, what's he doing? Is he avoiding the football again this weekend? (laughs) But yeah, not much better for my Brighton boys either. We still can't seem to beat Burnley. Ugh. One of those teams. Burnley. They spoil it for everyone, don't they? They really do. Especially lovers of XG, apparently. This whole XG... I swear, terms like XG only came about in the last few months, didn't they? No one was talking about XG a year ago. I, I like the way they've integrated it onto to Match of the Day now. I, I, I think that's quite nice to appeal to as broad a church as, as possible. It's a big fantasy football thing, isn't it? And obviously I'm a big FPL fan. We, yes. we love a bit of XG on the FPL show. But, um, but yeah, like you say, it's become mainstream now. I bet the, the XG wasn't very high for Norwich scoring goals against Manchester City, would it? I, I mean, 
it is an incredible result, even with a couple of days distance from it now. It's madness. It's, it's still an incredible result. And like I said a, a couple of weeks ago on here, for me, I, it has to give somewhere. You can't watch all football everywhere. And I watch so many different European leagues that I don't really watch the championship. So for me, Sheffield United and Norwich, a, a lovely revelations this year and obviously there, there are players that I was already well aware of like um, Temo Puki, Emiliano Buendia who I'd, I'd, I'd come across in, in in my own areas of, of focus but I didn't know who or what a Todd Cantwell was like <laughs> a couple of months back and, and look at him now. Oh, he was magnificent on Saturday. What a game it was and what a result for Norwich. If you're a Norwich fan, you're probably still absolutely buzzing now but particularly like you mentioned Todd Cantwell to the very last second of that game, he was putting his blood, sweat and tears into it. And so were all the other Norwich players, to be fair to them. Every single player on that pitch gave it their all. And it just goes to show you what team spirit, what putting everything into a game can can actually do. And they they played their own game and they were they were brilliant. They took their chances. They defended superbly. And we're talking about getting a result like this against not just the best team in the league, but the best team that some would say in the world right now. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it, to see that they're going to find a way not to win the league this season <laughs> to almost enhance the myth. Maybe they're putting it all aside as they go in uh, pursuit of the Champions League. But mm. the, the thing that I like the the most about this, you know, there are many great things about watching football on television, but one of the things that you very rarely get is you don't often get the feel of the atmosphere through the television, do you? You could really feel it, couldn't you? Definitely. And after the the Rodri goal, you could just... That was my favourite bit of it. Obviously, it might be a moment that Norwich fans particularly care to relive, perhaps, or a couple <laughs> of moments that they particularly care to relive. But the, the, the fact that you could feel them all huddled together, just thinking, just blow the whistle. Come on. And, and City got in some decent shooting positions, didn't they? Although they didn't make the most of them. And... Tim Krull made some pretty easy saves in those last couple of minutes, but you could definitely feel that sense of, you know, at the start, it's fine. You feel super relaxed because you're playing Manchester City. Let's just enjoy it, you know, and when we go 1-0 up, oh, great, let's enjoy that as well. But once you get to that point where you're really, really close and it might get taken away from you, that's the bit where you really start to feel it, isn't it? The nerves on the those Norwich fans. I mean, as you say, you could feel it through the TV screen. You could you could sense how every single one of them was feeling. And I don't care who you are or where you were around the world watching this match. If you're not a Manchester City fan and you didn't want Norwich to win, then you're an alien of some sort. Because <laughs> honestly, that was I've never cheered for a team that I don't support as much as I did just. At that at that moment when the final whistle went, it was just such a great moment. So good to see a team like Norwich be able to take their own game to one of the best teams in the world and actually beat them. Like they've actually beaten Manchester City. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a couple of times about the the daring of the promoted teams. I'm really interested to know if that lasts the season because. It's something that's absolutely fantastic. It really does add to the the Premier League at the moment, doesn't it? The, the fact that teams are are prepared to have a go. 
maybe when it gets to March, April, and there are consequences, there are battles to stay up, maybe it's a bit different. But for now, it's absolutely fantastic. Long may it continue. Yeah, and I think that what made the win even more special for Norwich was the fact that all of the injuries they had coming into the game. Yeah. Daniel Farker was joking about it in this press conference the day before, wasn't he? He, he sort of laughed about one of the reporters asked oh, are you going to park the bus against Man City mm. tomorrow? And he was like, I haven't got any players to park the bus. Like that, <laughs> that is how crazy their their injury list was. I think there was about 11 players out or something going mm. into the game. So they have just performed an absolute miracle on the pitch at Carrow Road on, on Saturday. And a huge congratulations to them. It was a brilliant performance, huge win. But what does it mean for Manchester City now? Do you feel like this is the first of a few slip-ups or do you think that was just a one-off? I, I wonder. I mean, we talked the last couple of weeks. We never got quite around to fitting it in, did we? The fact that we both felt that Liverpool were kind of underrated in terms of the title race. Mm. I'd feel a lot better if we'd have got it out there before because mm. then we'd look like Nostradamus, yeah. wouldn't we? But now it looks like we're jumping on the bandwagon. I think the the fact that there's a there's a five point gap is enormously helpful uh, to, to to Liverpool. Obviously, they had more than that at a certain point last season. Um, but I've I've felt from the start that this idea that Manchester City are going to cancer to the title is is nonsense. Uh, like Liverpool. How have they got any worse that from last season? They haven't. I think you look at where they are and you look at where various players are. The fact that, okay, they haven't really added to the squad significantly, but Fabinho has had a year of Premier League football. Um, Cater is going to be settled and I think better the Ox this, is back. this season as well. Oxley Chamberlain is absolutely huge. And also the fact that, and I thought about it, especially with the way they played against Newcastle this weekend. Um, the fact that Firmino played a lot of the back end of last season just hobbled. I mean, Kevin Hatchard, our friend, was telling me a while back that um, last season, Firmino, Salah and Mane only missed six Premier League games between, and Van Dijk only missed six Premier League games between them last season, which is an amazing stat. And he, as a Liverpool fan, was, well, I feel a little bit fatalistic about will that maintain this season I would say the, the counterpoint to that is, yeah, just because Firmino was there, it doesn't mean all of Firmino was there. You know, he, he really limped through that end part of the season. And, you know, we saw when he came on for Origi and obviously they were planning to give him a rest ahead of the Champions League, which we'll come to later. Um, when he came on, he absolutely changed the game. That was the bit at which they were suddenly a, a cut above Newcastle comfortably. Jurgen Klopp has always spoken about how important Bobby Firmino is to the Liverpool team. Yeah. And as onlookers, we've we've all seen it for ourselves, but I think particularly against Newcastle, when he came on, the things he was doing on that pitch were just magic. That assist, I could watch it again and again. I actually at the time when you when you watch it in real time, mm. you go, Oh, that was nice. And then you watch it in slow-mo and you go, Oh, what has he yeah. just done? How has he done that? No matter how many times I watch that, it's just magic, isn't but, it? But that's that's the thing. I think it's especially valuable in that context because you look like Newcastle have gone there to defend that that's all they have gone there to do and especially when they get themselves in front just like they did at Spurs you think okay they're they're not one of the best teams in the league in fact they're one of the worst teams in the league but 
if you give them a blueprint to play to, if they can get a goal and get behind the ball, they can make it difficult. You know, they've, they've, got, they've got the players, they've got the um, understanding of each other's games, and I still think it's a bit of leftover Rafa, really, ab- ab- about them. They can make it difficult, and they did make it difficult for, for Liverpool for a bit. Liverpool had to really work it to, to get there, didn't they? And, you know, I, th- I think Newcastle can look back on that and think, well, we couldn't really have done that much more given what we've got, given the resources available to us. Because I think there are other situations where Liverpool go into that game, get an early goal, and it ends up four, five, six. Yeah. When you when you look at the gap in quality between the two teams. We saw how difficult Newcastle can be to beat when they played against Tottenham, didn't we? Yeah. So I completely agree with you there. I think that going back to the point of this Liverpool team in a sense, being underrated. I'm putting that in. I'm, I'm doing those uh, visual inverted commas yes. in my hands. You can't see me, but it's it's a really interesting point because I think that if Liverpool had drawn against Spurs like Man City did and lost to Norwich, that would be it. Everyone would be saying, no, title race is over. Hand it to Man City now. It's all over. So it's interesting that right now, despite those two results for Man City, the majority of people are still thinking Man City are going to win the title. Or are they? Have you changed your mind? Um, I, I always thought it would be close this season. Again. Um, and I think where they are in the last couple of months of the season, it's not much of a title prediction, obviously. But, <laughs> but maybe, maybe that affects um, where they are. I, I mean, it's... I, th- I think the most difficult thing for Liverpool is to keep that forward momentum going when they've not really added to the squad. Now, it's, it's a really difficult spot, the one that they're in after the Champions League final, and very similar to the spot that, say, Real Madrid were in, if you go back to 2017, when they played that amazing second half against Juventus at Cardiff. And you think, well, what can you add to the team like like where do we go from here that's the difficulty and obviously maintaining momentum in that situation is is quite difficult I think you looked at Real Madrid and especially that that uh, that bench that was Alvaro Morata James Rodriguez Gareth Bale played a little cameo at the, uh, at the end of that game and I mean I think it's fine for us as onlookers to say how do they improve but it wasn't fine for them as a club and as people running a club to go, oh yeah, we're brilliant. There's, there's nothing we can do. <laughs> you know, and that's that's kind of what they did. Now, I'm not suggesting Liverpool have quite done that, but it just becomes more and more of a challenge to build on what you've got when you look at the squad and you think, yeah, this is this is awesome. They wouldn't change that front three for anyone. No. They, if, if they had like money, no object, FFP, no object, transfer window was still open well, what would they go and do would they do anything like I don't know maybe buy themselves an extra centre back and get rid of Lovren but that's about it really isn't it I, I think most Liverpool fans would say yeah I'm, I'm happy with the team you know and, and when you bear in mind that they didn't win the league last season even though they produced of course a very admirable Premier League season if you're talking of taking that next step where, where do you go how do you affect that Mm. It is difficult, isn't it? It is. I, th- I think that for Liverpool right now, losing Alisson at the start of the season to injury, I mean, he'll be back in a few weeks now, won't he? I'm sure he's meant to be back. October. October sort of yeah. time. So it's not going to be too long until he's back. 
this would have been the period where, if any, Liverpool fans would have expected there to be some slip-ups. And they have conceded goals. Mm. And it, it has made a difference, Alisson being out. However, they're still winning games. They're unbeaten. They've got five wins from their first five games in the Premier League. Like I said, they are conceding goals, but they're still they're so good up front that it almost doesn't even matter. I think the interesting thing about the momentum of some of those games, they've they've dug some of those games out, like the away win at Southampton, for example, where like patches of that where they didn't play particularly well and they looked quite exposed. They really dug out that win. Now that is the sort of win that you normally get in late March or April when you're on this unstoppable run to towards the title. I think to like knuckle down and dig out a game like that when it's still August, September. That's that's quite interesting. It's quite incongruous that the like type of performance with the stage of the season it is, I think. And we've seen already that since the start of the season, we've we've had five games now, that there have been some surprising results. It's gonna be one of those yeah. seasons where teams that you're not expecting to beat some of the bigger teams or the traditional top six, it's gonna happen this year. And when we look at this title race now if we you know we've all said from the start really that it's it's probably a two-horse race between Liverpool and Man City Man City without Laporte already in one game look like a completely different team and he's gonna be out for around about six months that's a huge blow to Manchester City I think they made a mistake not replacing company Mm. after he left yeah and I think that the way that Man City want to play you saw against Norwich, Otamendi getting caught out like he did. That That isn't a one-off. You know, the first thing I thought of when I saw that, the first thing I thought of when I saw that was Dmitry Chagrinsky, who is the Ukrainian defender who Barcelona signed when uh, Pep was the manager. And it completely put him off defenders because he's a very, very good defender who wasn't the same level on the ball as his Barcelona teammates. And that is the point at which Pep Guardiola thinks, you know what, if we're about circulating the ball, if we're about keeping possession, if we're about using possession as a defensive tactic on some occasions, why don't we just cut out the middleman and stick a couple of midfielders or stick a midfielder at centre-back? The first thing I thought was Chigurinsky and shortly after that, Fernandinho at centre-back. It's going to happen, isn't it? And it it should. If you want to play like that, it it should. Because, you know, so much has, has been said about that. Was it... Um, Otamendi's taken a lot of the stick for it I, I don't think Stones is anywhere near blameless in the situation either but both of them if you have someone who's actually decent on the ball next to whichever one of the centre-backs you want to keep in the team presumably Stones I, I think it's totally different totally different situation and they've got enough depth in the rest of the squad to mm. fill the Fernandinho hole now they've got Rodri yeah they can play exactly. him in that position they've got enough midfielders and forwards to you know move things around if they need to and have Fernandinho at the back that makes most sense for, as an for, onlooker looking on at that squad for what it's worth Edison fancies himself as an outfield player you know he, <laughs> he, he told me in an interview he saw himself as the next Roberto Carlos once upon a time. <laughs> well, he's got an assist already in the Premier League, hasn't he, last season? It's pretty impressive yeah. for a goalkeeper. Dave Bezant got loads of those back in the day. I mean, come on. <laughs> ahead of his time. Ahead of his time. 
Yeah, it's a special night without without any doubt, and, and a big win, and we all can be can be proud. And um, but I wouldn't interpret too much on it. It was just one of 38 games, and uh, even in this game we just get three points. So it's it's certainly loud for for our fans, but we will stay calm. We know that we have to focus uh, further on, and all the topics will be and all the tasks will be uh, will be difficult in the future for that. Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. As we've talked about the title race, Jules, I mean, they're kind of on the periphery of it, but are Spurs still the third best team in the Premier League, do you think? Looking at the table, yes. <laughs> they are third in the table. Cop out. <laughs> that is a massive cop out. This is a really tough one. I think I'm going to go with yes, they are. They've, considering that they are a team who are supposedly having a crisis right now, mm. who... The manager seems a little bit different, as everyone's saying, doesn't seem himself. And they've been massively affected by the Christian Eriksen situation. And clear the air and meetings. All of the clear the air meetings that they ha- that happened on Friday and all that kind of stuff. Lacelso getting injured. Lacelso's injury. Considering all of these things, they're third. They've picked up results. And Harry Kane hasn't even really got going yet this season. Mm. I think he's only scored three goals so far. I think that they probably still are the third best team in the league. And that's probably down to the fact that Manchester United, Chelsea and Arsenal. I've got more holes in them than a Swiss cheese. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I like a Swiss cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Not not in this room. The studio is very hot, isn't it? It's really hot Uh, You know, the the, the cheese wouldn't last long, would it? It wouldn't at all. I do like melted cheese though. Yeah, I mean, it looked like camembert in five (laughs) minutes, wouldn't it? (laughs) But yeah, I do think that Tottenham being the third best team in the league, yes, but that's not necessarily down to them being the third best. It's down to the teams below them not being as good as them. Yeah, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Uh, the thing I thought about this game against Palace is the squad is better than people think it is. I mean, Serge Aurier, who, well, I think people doubted whether he was still a footballer after they ch- chose to play Davinson Sanchez at, at right back against Arsenal instead of bringing in a 25 million euro <laughs> right back. Hasn't he played him? I d- well, you hear a lot of chat about the stuff around Aurier. 
And, um, you know, he was famous for it or infamous for it when he, when, when he was in France. And, um, you know, hopefully he doesn't, he no longer has Periscope on his, his, mm. his phone. Let's, let's, let's put it that way. But he does seem someone who's, I mean, he's an enormous talent. He is an enormous talent, but he never seems to totally have his eye on the ball. And the fact that they've been prepared to stretch themselves in order to pass over him is something that maybe backs that up. I mean, in a game like this, where they were going at the jugular from the off. They were very good first half Tottenham. And he was a huge part of that. He was a huge part of that. I mean, you looked at him and you thought, oh yeah, this guy is a player. He really is a player. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd almost forgotten about him. Yeah. To be honest, because after Trippier left, and like you say, playing Sanchez at the back, it at, at right back, that's not something that I was expecting to see. And I kind of It's forgot. probably not something that he was expecting to <laughs> no, see either. No. So I, I'd almost forgotten about him. And I thought, hang on a minute, he's bombing forward. He's getting crosses into the box. This is a player that Tottenham actually need right now yeah yeah absolutely and for, for them to play with that extra width especially when they get a bit stuck in the center of the park like so much depends on Ericsson doesn't it um to, to have a good Aurier and Danny Rose in the team doing their stuff because I, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't Aurier shouldn't be recycled and and come back into it because that kind of happened with Danny Rose I mean this does happen with Pochettino he'll go off a player I mean obviously there are other issues surrounding, say, uh, Alderweireld and his contract, for example. But he'll, like, a player will fall out of favour with him, and then they'll be back in the team, like nothing happened. I mean, I personally think that's an incredibly powerful characteristic for a, a coach to have, because for a coach to say, rather than "I've made my mind up on you, get out," I think to have have an opinion on someone and for that opinion to evolve. I mean, some people see that as a weakness, don't they? That people change their minds, you know, is, is, is seen as being um, flippant or, you know, indecisive. But on the contrary, I think if you've got players available to you, you should be open to having your mind changed. And, you know, Pochettino is, is able to do that. I really like Maurizio Pochettino. I've got a lot of respect for him as a manager, as a, as a coach and, what he's done with this Tottenham team, but it's a big season for him. I think he's under a lot of pressure this year to 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 win a trophy with Spurs, mm. and if he and he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be. But if he doesn't win something this year, could you see him going? Well, he's, he's got to do something more than this year. This year, so so what is that? I, I suppose logically that has to be a trophy, doesn't it? Because he's been so close. Um, does that mean? I don't know, getting to the Champions League final again, for example, does it mean genuinely challenging for the title? I mean, both of those seem quite tall orders. I, I guess the, the question is, I don't know if this is your question, but the, the, the question that I would pose is, is he just getting closer to what the ceiling is at Tottenham? Mm, I think it's a weird one with Spurs, isn't it? Because as someone who doesn't support Tottenham... I'm looking at them. Important to make that clear. <laughs> and very important to make that clear. <laughs> it's looking on, I feel like if they got to another Champions League final and challenged for the title a bit, but didn't win anything, I don't think that that wouldn't be any progress from last year. And I think that clubs always want to see progress. I think the fans would be a hell of a lot happier if they had a decent season in the league, finished third, mm. 
went out in the Champions League, say quarterfinals, semi-finals, but won the League Cup or the FA Cup. Which is mad. I would. That, that, is, that is actually mad when you say it out loud. But I think that they'd be happier. Yeah. yeah do do you, you think so? Because, a lot of Spurs because, fans would be. And I think sometimes because we, we sort of look at what, what a cup gives you rather than it being something of value in itself. I mean, you, you had um, the Valencia coach, Marcelino, who was sacked at the end of last week. And he was saying how when he went to um, meet the owner, Peter Lim, in Singapore at the end of the season... I said, oh, well done on making the Champions League. I didn't say anything about him winning the Copa del Rey. They beat Barcelona in the final. Barcelona had won it the last four years in a row, who desperately wanted to win it to seal a double. And Valencia went out there and outplayed what arguably the best club team in the world, if not the best club team in the world, very close to being the best club team in the world and consistently one of the very elite club teams in the world. And to... For for him, it, it felt like a penny dropping. It was like, well, is my work actually valued? Mm. What's what's the point? I mean, it, it, but we we can forget that something like that, which doesn't give you Champions League, for example, which doesn't bring tens of millions of revenue into the club for fans, that matters. It really matters. Those special days when you you get to a final, and especially if you can see it over a line, is absolutely huge and it's also the stick that they get at the moment for not having won a trophy for so many years I mean, they'll it, be able to say if they win the FA Cup this year yeah. we've won this trophy under Maurizio Pochettino he's such a brilliant manager and I think they the fans really want him to win something as well yeah yeah I, th- I think so but the, the idea that you know silverware is the, the ultimate validation it's not right. I think there's a balance between, you know, what, what the club want and what the fans would like to see, isn't there? Because if we'd have finished like seventh the last three seasons, they, they won the FA Cup for each one of those seasons. Would they be in a better place? Well, emphatically not. Mm. So it's, it is difficult to to know what's possible. And also, I think with the way that Manchester City and Liverpool have pushed each other to new heights and broken away, if, you know, I think we can look at teams like Everton and... Leicester, teams that have spent substantial amounts of transfer cash, but you can't really see how they can get in the Champions League at the moment. And you think it's a difficult spot to be in. Like, where do you go from there? Where do you create the motivation? To a lesser extent, you could say the same thing about Tottenham, couldn't you? Because do you feel they're a realistic title contender? Because I don't. No. But do you feel they're in danger of dropping out of the top four? Because I don't feel that either. No. No, I don't. I I think that they... I think they're pretty much guaranteed top four unless yeah. something horrible goes wrong. I think if they keep the core of their squad fit, we've seen what an impact Son Heung-min coming back into this side has done. I mean, he was brilliant on Saturday. He's just such a great footballer to watch. He's exciting to watch and he really drives this team, I think. Are, are, you, are you saying he's more important to Spurs than Harry Kane? No. I don't think he is. You're on your guard there. Very, very clever. <laughs> I'm a big Harry Kane fan. But... I like looking at him on Saturday against Crystal Palace, who, by the way, went into that game having conceded the fewest games in the league, Palace. So to concede four against Spurs, I don't think many people were expecting it to be that much of a one-sided game. I mean, Spurs needed to go early in in that game, didn't they? Because if Palace had got set 
It could have been a long afternoon. Mm. It could have been a really long afternoon. But Son was instrumental and having missed the first two games of the season and having him back in the side and the Ericsson saga now being over and hopefully Harry Kane kind of picking up form and he was so good for England in the international break and he he was good. He Even though he didn't score on the weekend, he was still very good, Harry Kane, and he was still in and amongst it all. So I think this Spurs team are firmly in the top four. I don't think they're going to challenge for the title though, but... I think it's going to be an an interesting season for Tottenham. I'm, I'm I'm already intrigued to see kind of how it all unfolds and and what the fans what will excite the fans and and kind of get them motivated and what they want to win. Well, the thing is, as fans, we can all get spoiled pretty quickly, can't we? Uh, I mean, you know, it just Wimbledon, same thing. You know, we like now we want to progress in in League One. Have we really got the budget to do that? Probably not. We're, we're, we're probably like a League Two set of players playing in League One and staying up in itself is is a very laudable achievement. But, you know, it, it, is the, it, does that satisfy us? Well, no, because we always want more, don't we? We always want more. As a Brighton fan, I mean, we started the season with a 3-0 win against Watford, who at the time we didn't know what a kind of mess Watford were in at that stage. Looks like we, a result after we, this weekend. <laughs> yeah, we were looking at that thinking, oh... I wonder where we could finish this year. New manager, new style of football. This is all exciting. Maybe top half of the table. And now we're like, yeah, let's just stay up this year, boys. <laughs> <laughs> You're basically saying once again for the second time in the show that Burnley have ruined it all. Burnley have ruined everything. They've ruined, they always <laughs> do. I don't know why we just can't beat Burnley last year. It was the game with the horrendous situation, which I was reminded of on Saturday. The exact same fixture at the Amex when... Glenn Murray should have had a penalty and Burnley go down the other end and end up getting a penalty themselves and scoring. And that game last year ruined ruined my my entire day. And then this year I was thinking, oh God, it's going to be the same again. And we get so close to getting a win and then they go and equalise. Weekend ruined. And we end with a really tasty one. Group H, Chelsea, Ajax, Valencia and Lille. Champions League this week, isn't it? So excited. I am so excited the Champions League is back, mainly because it means I get to get out of the country for a day. I'm going to Naples today. Greatest pizza in the world. Do you know what? We were talking about how hot it is in this studio. It's 32 degrees in Napoli. Perfect weather for a pizza. Cannot wait. Well, when you're getting great pizza for like four euros a pop, though, I mean, there's there's really no arguing with it. I'm so excited. And the, the good thing is, is you could go to almost the worst looking pizza place and it's often the best pizza. Yes. It's not the fancy places. No. It's the little kind of ones off the beaten track that you tend to find the best Italian food, I think. Yeah, or the one that you've looked up in the EasyJet magazine (laughs) on the way there. The best reviews. I'm (laughs) so excited. But yeah, Champions League is back. Um, I'm going to be pitch side later watching um, Liverpool take on Napoli, where they actually lost away last year. So Uh, that's, That's it. It feels like a million years ago now, but last year's group stage... Liverpool were terrible away from home. Not only did they lose all those three away games against, um, what was it, Napoli, uh, Paris Saint-Germain, and Trevenis Fez, um, Red Star Belgrade, but they barely had a shot in any of them. I mean, the, the, the one goal they scored was James Milner-Penn, and, you know, they, they deserved to lose all of those. So, I mean, that, that made it all the more astonishing that they managed to find a way to get past that, especially after they beat Bayern. Um, I think this will be a slightly more open 
uh, game this evening. Napoli are looking very, very cavalier indeed. So I, I reckon you're on for some Been involved some in goals some high-scoring games already this season, haven't they, Napoli? Yeah, they have. I mean, they, they, they won 2-0 at the weekend, but they still looked like very pliable. Like um, their, their goalkeeper, Alex Merritt, he was, he was in play quite a lot. But yeah, you'll have a great time at, at Napoli. The thing I like the most about... San Paolo is is the fact that I've he's not still been got... yet, so I'm excited because I always travel for these Champions League games, but I've not been to this stadium before, so it's yeah. going to be a nice new experience. Well, the, the, I think the interesting thing there is, I mean, it is like a proper like gladiatorial arena, but also it hasn't had a lick of paint in a very long time, and it's got still got you've still got Italia ninety stickers in some places really? and all that sort of stuff. So. I saw that they that um, Ancelotti was absolutely fuming that the dressing rooms weren't ready before the Sampdoria game on Friday night. To which I would say it's just in keeping with the rest of the stadium. <laughs> but it's these Champions League nights are so much fun to work on, aren't they, Andy? Yeah, that, they they really are. How does how does your day work out when you're working on a game like tonight? Um, so. It's often all a little bit manic. I fly out the morning of, get there, have a couple of hours of downtime. So we don't get that much time to kind of go around and eat all of the local delicacies, which I'd like to spend a bit more time doing. But don't worry, I'll make sure I've got enough time for a pizza and a little bit of that sunshine. But Knock off shirt outside the stadium. I mean, I have to say, that's one of the best things about Italian football, the quality of knockoff you get outside the ground. Okay. So level up. Really? Yeah. I'll give it a go. Yeah. Okay. So turn, turn up next week with the Lorenzo Insigne show. <laughs> All right, I'll do it. I'll okay. do it just for you. So yeah, we get to the game, get to the ground sort of around about six-ish. Obviously out there it kicks off at nine. So yes. we're there about three hours before kickoff. And you'd think it would be quite glamorous being the Champions League, mm. but it really isn't. You get there and you're sort of all crammed into a, a press room with all the other journalists and, and broadcasters. And because I work for Optus Sport, who aren't one of the lead broadcasters there, you're sort of all chucked into a room and you get given a nice little uh, lunch bag, little paper bag with a sandwich in it. Yeah. Not pizza, unfortunately. <laughs> um, sandwich. It's usually, usually the UEFA Champions League lunch bags are consist of a sandwich, an apple, and some kind of like sweet, like a chocolate or a muffin. I would like to believe that when you open said paper bag, it <laughs> goes, <laughs> but I know from it personal doesn't. experience that is, yeah. that, that is that is not the case. Yeah, so we, we usually just sit there and eat our little lunch bag. It's See, a little I, bit depressing. I'm very particular about food. And so if ever, when, when, when I was, when I'm working on Champions League games and, and I've been given one of those, if there are a few things I've left, There'll always be people next to me going, you're eating that. <laughs> you're eating that. Well, I normally... Can I have your Kit Kat? Because the bread is often a little bit stale in those sandwiches. I don't right. sound like a bread snob here, but I'm a bread snob. And Well, you should be in Naples when yeah, you know what's outside. Exactly. So I often just pick out the ham and mm. eat that and just leave the bread roll. So hopefully no one asks me for my bread roll later because that's a bit <laughs> weird. Um, but yeah, we eat, we eat, we kind of chill out for a bit and then we go down pitch side and... As I've told you before, I get my little box out to stand next to Mark Schwarzer. Nice. Yeah, it's ready and waiting for me for later, um, as are my five-inch heels. Um, and yeah, we, we do a couple of hits across to the studio in Sydney. But the best thing about working on these Champions League games is the atmosphere in these stadiums. You cannot beat the atmosphere in a European match. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I end up doing... I, I know you do mainly pre-match stuff and me for the Europa League mainly this year I, I do 
post-match. So you grab the players when they're still in their kit and they, they, they come off and they, they, they give you a few words in the, in, in the mini TV studios around the, around the back of the tunnel. And um, what that means for me in practical terms is I have to go down and be by the tunnel 10 minutes before the end of the game. So obviously some pretty big stuff can happen in the last 10 minutes of the game. When I was at the World Cup with uh, Portugal in 2018, for the first game, when they were 3-2 down to Spain, I, I went down with 10 minutes left. And we were in the tunnel, and you could still hear stuff happening outside. But bizarrely, I mean, it was a World Cup, and there wasn't a TV screen in the tunnel. Oh. And I'm like, oh, come on, this is ridiculous. So anyway, I kind of wandered up the tunnel and poked my head out and I got to see the Cristiano Ronaldo free kick equaliser no, from on the touchline. Oh, wow. That was good. That's pretty special. That was I'd, good. I enjoyed I'd that. a similar situation to that in the Champions League last year where I was at Anfield and we have to rush down just like you to get pitch side for mm. a final cross right at the end of the game. And the stewards don't let you out onto the pitch until the whistle's gone and the players are almost off the field mm. so you're kind of held back but where obviously we can't see anything and if something happens last minute you kind of you need to know about it because you're about to report on it obviously yeah, that's it exactly and that's the trouble it? is you're standing there and you're like I, I remember i was i was down at the corner flag at anfield and i was poking my head up and it was i think it was the final game of the group stages and if liverpool had got anything other than a win they were going to be well, that was, the, that was the Napoli was, return last year, Yeah, it? it was. It was Napoli return. Well, Alisson made the save right at the, the end. The save right at the end, and I was right there. So I managed to scoot up as close as I could to the point where they were pretty much like holding me back because I couldn't get any closer. <laughs> and I managed to see that. And I was obviously in between the away fans and the home fans, and they were chucking beer. I was completely drenched in beer really? by the end of it. Yeah, completely soaked. I There was water bottles flying everywhere because it was such a huge moment that save mm. and the Liverpool fans were going nuts and obviously the, the away fans were, were going crazy as well and just I was completely drenched and we ended up having to go on camera and they were they were all kind of laughing in the studio like are you, you alright there Jules? I was like yeah I've just been absolutely soaked in what God knows what it was but I assume it was a mix of beer, water, Coca-Cola whatever else anyone was it's, drinking but you're taking a cordless hairdryer this year <laughs> it's one of those where you you really it's a bit of a struggle with the last 10 minutes of matches because you're you're either you're in the tunnel waiting for the players to come mm. in to interview them and then you've missed a late goal or a huge moment and then you have to ask the player about it and you've not even seen it yourself well, talking of missing stuff that does happen to everyone I mean I, I remember being at Arsenal for the Europa League last year and I think they were playing Vorskla where they won uh, 4-2 and Aubameyang came out to do his interview and he's walking towards us and he sort of went, oh, nice 4-1 win. And uh, someone, Pierre-Emerick, it was actually uh, 4-2. He's like, oh yeah, I was, <laughs> I, I, I was subbed off. I was just no back way. in the dressing room. That's brilliant. And so he, he, he missed it. We, um, me and Mark Schwarzer have been pitch side for a Champions League game for Optus before and we've been shoved down, you know, one end of the corner flag on one end of the yeah. pitch and down the other, right down the other end. So we're again, we're waiting at full time to come onto the pitch to do our cross, being held back by stewards, not allowed to go past that line, blah, blah, blah. And we're waiting there and Paul Pogba got sent off. Right. Do you remember that game? 
Well, we had no idea who had been sent off. We just saw that one player had been sent off and we were like, what has happened? That It was right in the last minute. So we're having to rely on Twitter and going on our phones, going like, who's been sent off though? Who's been sent-? <laughs> and that's crazy when you think we're there and we have no idea what's going on. I mean, that, that is the thing that's sometimes overlooked, isn't it? When you're reporting on a game, that when you're at home, you have all the replays, you have it all in front of you. Yeah. And sometimes if you're like writing on a game, or if you're on the touchline doing what you do, you don't even have a telly. No. So, so it, it is quite don't. quite easy to miss stuff. In between missing various bits of the, <laughs> the, the actual football, who do you think will win the Champions League? Oh, it, I did my predictions before the season had started. Right. And I predicted Real Madrid to win it. Right. You see, I, I used to go for Real Madrid every single year. But um, yeah, Liverpool have changed my mind. I I think Liverpool are going to do it again. I think I've changed my mind as well because having seen how Liverpool have started this season, I can see them going on to win it again. And I can see Jurgen Klopp wanting to win. I mean, obviously the focus for Liverpool, you would assume would be to win the Premier League this year, particularly with the slip up that Man City have had so early on. People always talk about that, don't they? mm. I don't think there's that compartmentalisation. I think if you're a Liverpool player, you think, oh, we're going to win both of those. Yeah. We're going to have a go at winning both of those. I don't think it is a, a, a case of trading off. I think that only kind of happens in terms of focus on, you know, what's more important when it comes down to players getting injured and squad rotation is when you start to see whether there is some kind of focus for the manager. But yeah, I, I think for the manager, fair enough. But even that, I just think banking on one ahead of it, if you prioritise one competition, it, it rarely works. I, I don't think. So but, you think Liverpool are going to win it this year? Yeah, I Who's do. Who's going to be the biggest challenger? I don't know. I really don't fancy Barcelona again, even though they're quite high in the betting. I think you look at you look at Manchester City and they're the favourites every year at the moment. But when has what they've actually done in the competition justified that? I don't. I don't think it has. I don't know if there's going to be a team to to scrape under the radar. Everyone stopped talking about Paris Saint Germain all of a sudden. And now Neymar's stranded there. Wow. And now they've actually got a midfield. Stranded. I love the fact you used that word. He got his first start at the weekend, didn't he, of the season? Yeah. And, and, and he, he scored... A goal a, that was. It, it was brilliant. But imagine scoring a goal like that and getting booed like 10 seconds later. He just looks angry at the moment, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he does. He although although happy. It, it was funny, the, the, the way he, he talked to um, the media afterwards and he said... Uh, yeah, I just have to accept that every game's an away game now. <laughs> As a complete outside shout, and you're probably going to think I'm mental here, quite fancy Chelsea to go quite far. That's interesting. Because cup competition, where it comes down to an individual game for you to get through, or, you know, a two-legged game, obviously, mm. in some cases. I just think Chelsea are one of those teams that are going to really, really push teams right to the end yeah. and they're going to score so many goals as long as they sort out their defence, even just a touch. Oh, they looked a different kettle of fish with, with Rudiger and Willian in the yeah. team. And totally it, different. And it's a shame to see Rudiger injured again, but hopefully he won't be out for too long this yeah, time. Yeah, well, fing- fingers crossed for him. But I, I mean, there's, there's so much focus on the young English players and, and quite rightly so. I mean, they're doing brilliantly. But for me, that made the difference for them. Having that bit of extra experience, you're only ever as good as your your most experienced players, really. Mm-hmm. And um, 
the only reservation I would have about Chelsea in the Champions League, I don't think that group is a gimme. I think it's one of those groups that's quite evenly matched. I think with Chelsea, we don't really know what to expect from them, medium term as well as long term. I'm not saying it's not fine to be excited. Of course it's fine to be excited. Let's all be excited. But... Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to bank on them. No, the, they're not a banker. Stage. They're not a banker, but they're my little like outside kind of like, oh, I wonder whether they could go quite far. But also, you having said that, going back to what we were talking about in the beginning about working at a Champions League match on a, on a Champions League night, that's just transported me back to 2012, just after Villas-Boas had been sacked and when Roberto Di Matteo had taken over. Definitely one of the best... Champions League games we've ever been to the second leg against Napoli where they beat them 4-1 in extra time and um, Ivanovic scored the scored the winning goal in extra time that was fantastic <laughs> and th- there were there were so many media there I mean I'll be interested to hear your experience of the the Napoli press room because th- there were there were so many journalists there and to be fair a few pretend journalists mm-hmm. as, w- as well in the media facilities um, the, the, the press box was completely full up and I was in an overflow bit and I was the only person there not wearing a Napoli shirt or tracksuit. Wow. And the bit when they scored, everyone around <laughs> me in, in this supposedly working bit, every, everyone around me went crazy. So I'll be interested to see how many, uh, how many Napoli supporters are working <laughs> around you. Oh, I shall report back next week. I'm very much looking forward to it. But speaking of, I should probably try and get my flight. But do we have any emails? Uh, yeah, we have a few, quite a few about uh, club and country. Uh, John Urell's been in, in touch about, um, he, was, he was interested by the club versus country debate. Um, and of course, the cricket tangent. I'm assuming you're talking of the Ian Ward, Martin Bicknell, Salisbury, etc. years. Good times. There was loads of tweets, wasn't there, about this club v country. Loads of people on your side, loads of people on my side. It was, it was very split, wasn't it? But yeah. some really interesting, funny it was. tweets that we got this week as well. It was. They, they were fantastic. Um, we've got um, a bit of advice from uh, Alvaro Ericsson. Uh, I love uh, listening to your amazing and wonderful podcast every uh, Tuesday. Thanks, Alvaro. Um, I look forward to it every week. Um, it rem- Also, on the topic of trying to make yourself look taller on camera, I don't know which one of <laughs> us this, this is addressed to, because it does say, hi, Jules and Andy. Um, <laughs> you rem- don't need any help in that department. I, I always look too tall when I'm on television. Because you're next to me. <laughs> I, I need someone to tell me to bring my seat down. Producer Charlie's done that he today. He actually did tell me to bring your seat which down pretty today. Nice for him. Anyway, Alvaro says, it reminded me of uh, what's done on uh, Hollywood uh, for actors who are shorter than their co-stars, the shorter ones um, use what is called a scully box or ghillie board. <laughs> I think that's just a posh version of, of, of what, what I've you've got, got yeah. already. Yeah. It, it might be seven pizza boxes tonight. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to eat that pizza. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening once again. Thank you. Andy, have a good week. Yeah, you too. Can't wait for Napoli. I'll see you next time. This was a Stakhanov production. Oh, what do these buttons do? All right, ready? <laughs> Just <laughs> discovering I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.